Welcome to episode 104 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Bryn Jackson. Brian's still in Utah after the Epic Currents Conference. We actually recorded this episode there with Jennifer and Amy Hood. They're two super badass twin sisters from Southern California who run an amazing branding agency called Hoodspa. And they also have their own like hard goods company. They make pins, they make posters, and they make all sorts of really amazing work. They're a truly incredible pair. And we felt lucky to get to sit down with them after wanting to talk to them for so long. It's really awesome getting to go to Epicurrence because of the community. And we feel very strongly that community is an important thing. If you want to be a part of ours, go join spec.fm slash slack. We've got 3,500 designers and developers in there chatting constantly. Like that's 3,500 active members. Anyone that goes inactive is discounted from that amount. So there's a lot of people in there every single day asking questions, answering questions, helping people out, helping people find solutions to different problems. It's a really awesome, really beautiful thing to see everyone supporting each other that way. If you want to be a part of it, yeah, spec.fm slash slack. Otherwise, hit us up on Twitter. We'd love to hear back from you with feedback. We are at Design Details FM on Twitter or this at Spec FM, which is the whole network. We got six shows now, which is kind of amazing. We just added Fragmented, which is an Android development podcast. Super looking forward to the other things that are coming very soon. And if you want to be a part of that or if you want to be in the know, follow at Spec FM. We'll keep you up to date with any new developments there. So with no further ado, let's get into episode 104 with Amy and Jennifer Hood. Hi, I'm Jen Hood, and I'm the technically the president of Hoodspot. Not okay. <laughs> Not okay. Amy's the vice president. Didn't agree to that. Paper. <laughs> I went to talk to my attorney, and we, when we were incorporating, he was like, all right, so I guess you're the president. I was like, sure. If I was there, I would have definitely thought that. <laughs> but we're both co-founders, and Amy does probably more work than I do. And I'm Amy Hood, and I have a slightly higher voice for you listeners. Um, <laughs> that's and, how you can tell Spart. Yeah, that's how you can tell Spart. Um, yeah, and I'm also co-founder of Hoodspa Design Co. And we just recently started our little product side of the company, which is its own company now, called Odds and Sods. And that's just like bandanas and, and like pins and posters and stuff. So, yeah, that's all we do. Let's start with Hoodspa. Is that my pronouncing? Yeah, that, that's good. That it. pun game is on point. Oh, wow. Nobody so gets good. it. It's so depressing. So good. I love them. We'll people explain get it. the name for people that don't get it because okay. I, I chutzpah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I didn't get it. I'm that guy. Okay. I looked on the website. I figured it out. At least you looked on the website. People are like chutzpah. What do you like? What is it? But it's Yiddish. We grew up in New York, and there's a very large Jewish population there, and so we just grew up thinking it was a regular term, like and schmaltzy. We thought schmaltzy was a regular term, but nobody uses these things on the West Coast. Nope. It's totally lost on them. But in LA, if you get like, because there's a lot of uh, anyway, yeah. So basically. Uh, it means uh, brazen, bold, unapologetic, fearless, fearless. Um, a lot of people equate it to like, oh, that guy has balls, you know, <laughs> like it's like the chutzpah, and yeah. that's how it's usually used. Yeah, yeah. But um, but yeah, we wanted to do like design that was like out of the box, and like we do us, and everything's like really like I don't know, a little fearless, bit and we, yeah, not what you would expect, and so that's what we named it. But sometimes we do regret it. Pretty much when we have to talk Wait, about when we have to talk about just it for when you have minutes. to spell it when you have to spell it for someone you're like H O O D Z and they're like they just tune out they're, like, they're done they're yeah. like Z what they're like why Z, Z after and the, then D? the P and then the H it's like three consonants and they're <laughs> nope they just lost they're it. like you just email me how about those that? are the parts that are actually in the word like I know it's weird come on people they come just on. they don't I'm like just listen Get with your, your ears together yeah listen with also, your ears just letters yeah just, just listen to what I'm saying did you have alternate ideas for naming your business you know what's funny is we just we came up with it we're like that's it It done it's brilliant (laughs) yeah we thought we were so clever (laughs) i'm sure bands have this same problem you know like foo fighters are probably like what were we thinking you know but it's it's too late now uh what was the band name we came up with yesterday 
the secret hot tub or something. <laughs> it was like secret hot tub. Yeah. Secret, secret hot, hot tub. That's great. Right? That is good. Cool yeah, that name. is. I also right. kind of, what genre is it? What do you think? Emo screamo. <laughs> like emo screamo. <laughs> new wave Yanni. <laughs> new wave Yanni. Oh, I love it. Yeah. It sounds right. like a confessional booth they'd have on The Bachelor, you know? <laughs> secret oh my hot tub. God. <laughs> or that. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so tell us about Hoodspot. What are you guys working on? What do you do? What is the business? So we do a lot of branding and a lot of, uh, well, we used to do a lot more illustration. Now it's like cohesive branding projects that include illustration and icons as well. And um, that usually includes like a logo, sometimes the website as well, um, any sort of marketing collateral they need. Um, a lot of the clients we work with have uh, physical applications that they need. It's not just digital products. So it'll be like signage, menus, um, yeah, take-home things, uh, T-shirts, hats, whatever. So that's, I think, a little bit different than a lot of people who are in the, the tech side of things. Okay. When did the business start? Uh, I think we're going to be five years old in April, right? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Which is crazy because, honestly, I'm like, we've been doing this for like 10 years, right? I don't know. It just seems like we've been doing it for so long. And then you say five years and you're like, I feel like it's just been a lot longer. So let's back up before you started Hutzpa. What were you guys doing uh, that actually got you into design? Hmm. Yeah. Well, I think we were both... Like when we lived in Kentucky, we were both like really interested in fine art. And um, our mom wanted us to be musicians and she was pushing. I played violin and Jen played cello. She was like trying to get us to be like the next Dixie Chicks or something. And yeah, wow. <laughs> yeah so she like we, we like would play for the, you know, in the bluegrass church band and stuff and like whatever. And with our families, like little bluegrass thing. But so we really liked art. But in Kentucky that they just don't even they're like, oh, that's cute. But you're going to be a nurse, right? Like, <laughs> you know, so when we got to California, we were like, oh, we're going to be artists. We're going to move to California. Like they'll embrace us. But I think we ended up going to college and just realizing it's really hard to be an artist. Like, you, I just never really felt like I had anything to say, really, like just of my own volition, like a like something I wanted to tell the world. And so I just felt like I never really had a message in my art. But then like when somebody was telling me about design classes, I took one and I was like, oh, they gave me a prompt. So like, yes, okay, I can figure this out, you know? And I mean, didn't you feel like that, Jen? Yeah, same thing. We were just also, trying to find... doesn't it usually evolve from like, oh, I just want to make band posters for my friends. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's graphic that's design. Yeah. 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 So it's like, so we didn't even know we were doing it yeah. when we were doing it, really. <laughs> um, but yeah, we were taking, I think we only took like, I took two classes. Maybe you took one for design, yeah. actual design. And Amy was working at this coffee store, like designing the menu boards, like with chalk art, you know? But and just it, being a barista, really. <laughs> but mainly being a barista. Yeah, like that, they didn't but ask mainly, me to do that. Yeah, getting paid minimum wage. And um, a guy came in and was like, your art is so amazing on this menu. <laughs> he was like, I'm looking for an intern. I'll pay you. I'll teach you everything. Like, you need to be a designer. You'll make ads for this coupon clipper magazine I work for. And she was like, yeah, heck yeah, I'll work there. And so he was like, I need two people, though. Do you have a friend? And she's like, I have a twin. <laughs> Done. Uh, you're you're hired. Friend, yeah. yeah. Sort of. I know someone that may fit the bill. <laughs> I don't like her, but I'll deal with her. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no. And so like the first year we were working out of his garage, which sounds really creepy, but there was other people there like in the garage was always open. Uh -huh. <laughs> uh -huh. They changed us to the desk and then, <laughs> no. but, um, and he just taught us everything and we did learn a few bad habits, but generally we just learned to work really fast, really efficient. And we pumped out so many ads in such small time frame and just got, became really, I think, wait, what were the bad habits? I've never heard anyone say that. Well, I, we didn't know. He got... Uh, so one of the guys there all of a sudden just 
had left the company and we were thrown into the design uh, director position and I didn't know how to lay out the magazine. So I was using Illustrator to do it. <laughs> like as far as like uh, laying out right. each page article in Illustrator, then placing those AI docs in an InDesign file. It was so nice. stupid. <laughs> yeah. We were just, and I had no this clue. This is how you use InDesign to do it, right? Like you just... You just Copy use, and paste. Yeah, so I was doing it completely wrong. And the minute we hired another friend to help us, she was like, "You're this is all." This is She's like, up. "No, yeah. you've been doing it wrong." Yeah, he was like, "You can do like character styles and paragraph styles, and like make your life super simple." So he helped us. But yeah, so basically, it was just friends being really helpful and being like, "Hey, I can show you this, um, and this will help you out and make your life easier," you know. And so it's kind of like an apprenticeship way, like the old school way, like. Back in the medieval times, you would go to a swordsmith and he would teach you how to be a swordsmith. Uh, yes, you know? back when I was in medieval times. You know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you remember. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. But Class of 02. But they, they give you, they, but people. Literally zero 02. <laughs> yeah, literally zero 02. <laughs> oh, man. But people don't like, they, they don't like think that's valid. They're like, no, 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 but like, where'd you go to school? You know, it's like, oh, no, no, but like apprenticeship. That's a thing. I don't know. So how long were you guys in school? Uh, I was so it was like community college and um, like it's it's a black hole this community college everyone knows about it in Orange County and it's called Saddleback and it's like where everyone goes that didn't get into a real school and then you just like kind of completely true well you just kind of sit there in limbo for like five years and I and I went to school on and off for five years and then I was just like man this sucks and then I got that design internship and I was getting paid to learn and I was learning like 10 times as fast so I was like well, screw school, <laughs> you know? And I was paying the for my the thing with community colleges. It's not everyone that's like a mess up. It's more like some people are going there because they couldn't afford well, and that was university, yeah. Yeah, which was us. And so when you're working full-time and then only taking two classes a semester, it's it just the takes the slowest track in the world, yeah. you know? So We'll be here for 10 years. Yeah, yeah exactly. We're like, it's what are we doing? Yeah. yeah. And I think at some point in our life, we were like, oh, it's good to be content and just grateful. And like, this is okay, right? We should just be happy that we're, you know, have jobs at all. And we were just like in this weird complacent rut, I think, because um, the person we were living with was kind of that way. And um, all of a sudden, we were just like, what are we doing? We're just wasting our lives away, <laughs> you know, <laughs> sitting on our hands. Yeah. So we just started working at that magazine. And then the magazine folded uh, and we had no good work to show because we had been making Botox ads for three years. Oh, no. So, um, but we knew we were good because we had side projects, but... Um, when you don't have the right resume, usually they won't even look at your portfolio. So uh, we tried to get hired a bunch of places and just no one was hiring. So we just started our own design company to hire ourselves <laughs> to get a job. So it was just Nailed purely it. out of like necessity. It was you, pure. You couldn't, you couldn't. No one would hire us. Well, I got hired at another magazine company, <laughs> well, but, I got only, but only I, no only one would hire me. I, I was getting paid $18 an hour. Like it was still like not at all like a step up in any way. It was really cool and I learned a lot there and I'm really grateful for it. But I was only working there part time while we built up our like clientele at Hoodspo so that we could do it full time. So yeah, just more for stability so that we didn't have to really jump off a ledge. It was like, well, I'm still making money on the side. You know, we have time. Okay. So, so you guys are sisters and common advice is to not start a business with <laughs> family and right. friends, but you guys decided to start the business together. How's that going? Uh, being sisters and so close all the time. How do you make decisions? What's that like? Yeah, I think it's awesome. Jen's like my best friend and people always think we're so weird. They're like, oh, you guys go everywhere together. It's weird. I'm like, what? She's fun. <laughs> like, but um, so I think we're just like different than most people because I, I think a lot of people do it and it fails miserably because you are too close mm. and you take it personally. Instead of taking a critique as like a peer giving you an unbiased critique, you're like, 
you're just being rude because like you hate me because you're my sister and whatever, you know, and it's easy to take things personally instead of remembering that it's business, you know, so it is hard. But I think in the end, I never have to worry. I always don't know how people go into business with people they don't know that well or that they're not related to because we've gotten screwed over a few times. And I'm like, Jen would never screw me over. Like, I know that. I know at the end of the day, we're family. And I even if we fought over some stupid thing at work, like it's over. It's over at dinner, you know, like. Yeah. Do you have strict boundaries of like these are working hours and then these are. Amy has no Jen boundaries. Jen has boundaries. <laughs> I have no boundaries. No boundaries. <laughs> I'll lock my door at some point. I'm like, we, we're not talking about work anymore. You can't come in. I'm like texting. I'm like, Jen, look at this proof real quick. Just real quick. <laughs> it's like 12 at night. Um, so, yeah, I did have to tell him. He was like, I understand that you're very diligent and you're you hustle so hard. Amy hustles way harder than I do. Um, I still hustle hard, but Amy's crazy. So I told her, I was like, you can't talk to me after a certain hour about work in general. And now we get along way better. Well, I mean, we always got along really well. But as far as like business wise, I think give, getting a break at night and then reattacking it in the morning has been really nice. Well, and don't you think like with any relationship, like whether it's family, friend or dating, like you just can't spend too much time with one person. You're going to wear each other out. You're going to and you're going to end up bringing out the worst in each other and hating the things that you used to appreciate. You know, it's like the seven year itch with marriage. It's like anything like it's easy to get over it. So I think it's good that we finally set up boundaries of like we have our own friends, like we do our own thing and we really try to like spend time apart so that we don't get to that point where we like hate each other. And that's with everybody. I think we're, we've got that like motto with everyone in our lives. And you guys have also, it seems to me, been incredibly adventurous in starting other side projects. So you're now selling things uh, in pursuit of is a documentary you're working on. Um uh, and then connected, connecting things. Yeah, it's like a meetup. That so how really do you fun. balance all of these things while actually getting uh, actually, work done? Actually, this month I was like Jen. I don't know how what we've done because we got our hands in so many pots, and right, right. it's hard because like when somebody gives you an opportunity to do something, like I want to do that. Like I want to try new things. Like, yep. and so I just yep. can't say no. Yeah. yeah, like you're doing like seven <laughs> podcasts right now. It's like three and a half. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, What's the half one? Uh, Jeff Tian and I just started a thing last night. Mm, cool. See, it's hard though because you don't want to turn something down that could end up being the thing right? that is the one that takes off. Like, it's also we just, just fun to do. It's I mean, fun. I get to talk to my friends and sell sponsorships against it. It's, yeah, right. It's just a blast. So like, we have like these four side projects, and then recently, our we met this awesome guy named Byan at a congressional meetup on tech and millennials. Byan. His name is Byan. B a y a n. And um, he works you at Solving right? Bring Brian and Byan. Wouldn't that be amazing? <laughs> the ultimate combo. It would be amazing. That's He's really funny. interesting too. He's super interesting. So he works at Soul Pancake, which is oh, like nice. Rain Wilson. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, and, and he used to work at Jay Z's media company, which I forgot the name. 40, well, he used 40. to work rock, yeah. for Rock Nation, doing all of yeah. But anyways, he's That's super crazy. interesting. And he's only twenty five, and he's an, he was no. born. He's yeah, older. he's really young. It turns out he's really young. Oh, crazy. He's and he's like done more than any of us. And he's like he's born in Israel, like moved here, like really cool life story. But anyway, so we met him, and then he's like, day we meet him, we like hit it off. He's like, let's get you guys a design show, and I'm like, yes. And I like recorded him saying it so I would have it like on record. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm not kidding you. I want this to happen because I think it'd be really fun. And so now we're like planning a design podcast, video podcast show. Nice. And I'm like, how the hell are we going to do all this stuff? You know, but I can't say no. Like, what are you going to do? Yeah, Pass up that opportunity? It's really hard to do. Yeah. Well, and if anything, I mean, if you get paid enough doing what you want to do and all of a sudden like there's no time to do the things that you used to have to do to make have money, to then do, yeah. what's the problem? There's really, no problem. you just solved the problem better than you did before. How do you guys think of work-life balance? 
one time we asked a guy this at the connecting things event he was like it doesn't exist it's a fable it's a myth <laughs> and i mean maybe you, especially for people like us where you, it, it's hard to tell when work stops because it's so fun exactly because you're doing so many fun i'm things, just having like, so much fun i'm like it's not work and then i'm like and we're really bad about this especially like when it comes to like charging for projects and i'm like mm. oh but this will be fun and and like we don't have to charge them for that because i'd want to do that anyway and, and this is a friend and yeah and it's it, like and, and it's like no you should charge a per diem you should make sure that they charge like, like you're taking five days out of your life to go travel mm. and help them like they should be paying for that time but it's really hard to like for me to justify that in my head because it's so fun like I, I, how do we get to do this like how do you guys balance it i don't know <laughs> uh, we don't like half of the shows came from like things I was already doing with my friends. Yeah. And and this started for us. Like we just wanted to talk to these people. Right. Like we've had a list like 200 people long for so long. <laughs> and now we're finally getting like, you guys have been on our list since like day two. That's like, awesome. Yeah. And it's, we just finally made it work. Yeah. So tell us about, uh, first I'm curious about this video podcast idea. How, what's it going to be? We have a network. So really, yeah, oh, right, right. Like, we well, to be honest, a it's a channel of distribution. Yeah, yeah, it's so vague right now. We're He's basically just, just ideating. And the problem, I think, the only problem that's existing now is that they, their company was more looking for like a DIY person. I think they were thinking more like crafty stuff. And we're, they were like, well, you know, design, like maybe you could do the DIY thing. And I was like, what? Just be like Hood Martha Stewart. Yeah, except we're not crafty. <laughs> no, we're more we, like Hood, like Tim the Toolman Taylor. We just like to like rig, like we built a table the other day. Yeah. And like nice. we'll only do stuff if, if it's really like useful. Like I don't want to spend two hours building those like paper, uh, paper flowers yeah. that then it's like, what are we using it for? A How backdrop for an tablescapes. That's like the most ridiculous, like only like Martha Stewart would like try and sell this thing. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it's like a landscape on a table around like a theme for a meal. It, what? Like, there's like a sea scene. Oh, like a centerpiece like, yeah. or something? It, but like all over the table. That's crazy. Huh. Is, I just got cool. to explain I mean, tablescapes. It's super it's impressive, <laughs> but it's hard to justify in my mind. Like I'm so impressed by people who do it and make money doing it, but for me to spend three hours to make a paper flower well, right? it's just not serves us. no purpose. Yeah, I just don't just understand. Yeah. yeah. So our hard part is figuring out like how to appeal to a broader demographic than just designers because they you can tell they don't want just designers they want just creative people who are interested in general so i don't think so much it'll be teaching like specific things as much it'll just be like giving insight behind cool people who are doing great things that are creative well and because like the whole soul pancake thing is just like positivity in the end like it's cool if it's informational but mostly they just want people to like smile during the day (laughs) i love rain wilson yeah it's great i always thought he was just hilarious as dwight like like um, and then right? you like see how he is outside of work. Yeah. He's an amazing person. Totally. Yeah. So they're just trying to like, give back to the world and like make things that are positive, like kid president, which yeah. Bayan got kid president to send us a video that was like a shout out. And it, I have never been so excited in my life. It was so cool. I kept it and I watch it every day. <laughs> you don't know who Rain Wilson is? No, no kid I don't president. know who kid president is. Oh, kid I like, vaguely know. Yeah. He's just like this kid who st- basically was like, the world should be better. And like, if I was president, this is how I would do it. And, and he was like, like 10 at the time. Oh, he's like, and he posted his own video and it didn't get a ton of traction. And so, uh, the guys at Soul Pancake saw it and like said, Hey, we want to help you make this a thing. Cause like the world needs positivity in politics. And you know, this cute kid like thinks he can solve it with these simple, like honest, naive principles, which are so pure and inspiring. (laughs) And so they like gave him, you know, they came over and did like production on it. And he's like met Obama and kissed Beyonce and has like 2 2 million (laughs) views on every video. This kid. How do I become kid president? Exactly. Can I be a kid president? We're trying to figure out how to become like our version of whatever the channel is for a kid president. (laughs) 
Twin, twin, twin queens. But, okay, what do you guys think about this idea? Twin you guys queens? Are, is that what you just said? <laughs> no, I like the idea of like a like an oligarchy or something <laughs> instead of a democracy. That's hilarious. <laughs> but I was thinking it'd be funny because we do branding to like go around and like try to rebrand topics that are kind of like socially in the news and be like, okay, how can we rebrand this and like make it better, you know? But just so it's kind of funny and it's kind of on point for pop culture. And then what's an example? So like um, you could even take like really silly things like like um, Ash was talking about Britney Spears's meltdown. So like you could like dissect that. She gave a talk last night. Yeah. Ash Wong was here at uh, Epic Currents and gave a really funny example of like how people love meltdowns. So like if somebody like Britney Spears melts down, you could say like, how do how could we like what's the situation of a meltdown? How could we rebrand that and kind of apply principles? Because I feel like branding is such a it's like on the rise in everyday people's like vocabulary people understand that verb they're like trying to utilize it towards their own personal personal, personal brands. brands it is uh-huh. and it's so weird right like everyone's people thirsty who doesn't even they don't even know about design and they're understanding this concept of like presentation and you you can sell yourself you yeah, know? yeah so i thought it'd be funny to like tackle just like everyday issues of and like use it as a branding experiment and it kind of promotes us but it's also just funny what, what's cool. your personal yeah. brand yeah, I was going to ask that. Right. <laughs> I know, because we do have a very like close tie of like who we are as people and that being tied to our brand. And when people do come to Hoods, but they want to work with Amy and Jen and it, we can't just like hand them off to anyone really. So I guess our personal brand is more just like, I don't know, we're... I, hood wordplay? Huh? <laughs> hood wordplay. Good in the hood. Yeah, good hood in the lump. hood. Hoodlums. I, I don't know. I think the perception of us is that... Uh, what is the perception? I don't I have know. no idea. What do you guys think? <laughs> Clones. Clones. Yeah, clones. <laughs> Robot clones. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I spent an embarrassingly long time trying to figure out who is who. The first two. Amy has longer hair. But you guys yeah. did and it. And then Amy was like, "Oh, I have longer hair." I'm like, yeah. Got it. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> I will tell you something. Everyone here knows me better than the people that I've known for like four years. Like, so many people still can't tell me apart from Jen that I've known for a really long time and spend quite a bit of time with. So I love like, all you guys. People. Honestly, yeah, I'm like, fine. I'm yeah, like just pay attention a little, like a teeny bit. So I do love you, you feel, guys. Do you feel more pressure? Uh, that clients come to Hoodspot and want to work with the two of you and it's you can't really delegate that right. work necessarily? Is that- I think at first it, it was like a really easy way to grow fast is to be like the face of it and to really like put yourself out there and make those personal connections. But now we're realizing that from a scaling right. standpoint, it's grow? like very limited. But people like you know, Mackie Saturday have found a great way to do it, which is you just have to keep increasing your value and keep putting out like better and better work and pushing and pushing your pricing and perceived value. That's the solution. Just yeah, be Mackie Saturday. Exactly. No, <laughs> like, it might be Mackie Saturday. Mackie Saturday. He's so brilliant. And like, he's talking to me yesterday about, you know, his like business strategy and perspective. And he's just so smart about it. And that's what you have to be. If you really want to be a freelancer who's making, you know, big money. And in that essence, it could work for us to bring remain the names that are attached yeah. to it and we're the ones you work with um, and we still have a team that helps us like build out things like pretty much the people who work with us now um like we'll set the style and then they kind of help us take it and run with it so it's like it is slightly scalable but we definitely have to be hands-on at the beginning yeah so you that know direct, the direction you want to go is just keep increasing the value of working with Jen i think that's what we've realized because we tried to grow our agency as far as like numbers go like people that we had on staff like they were actually working for us and it just, I felt like the profitability went down and the quality of work almost even went down too because you're strapped into these like set group of people instead of like maybe getting to pull from like, oh, this person's really good at this thing, this certain project that we're working on. We'll pull them in for this and this person in for this, you know? And uh, so, yeah, I think uh, I think we just realized that the profitability thing, it, it with a smaller agency, it's just really hard 
to make it work. Can we talk about pricing a bit? Because I think this is almost a universal question is how do you decide what to charge for your work? And you mentioned how hard it is when it's fun projects. Like, right? Like, oh, this sounds sweet. I would love to work on that and put my name behind that. But then it's like, oh, I should actually charge for the value that they're going to get and the, right. the hours that I put. Going back to like Mackie Saturday, like well, right. totally. Mark, Mark is like, what would you do if like Red Bull asked you to complete your brand? And he's like, five, six bucks. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, it was funny because like Mark hit me in last night at our Q&A asked us like, what would you charge to rebrand Twitter? But it's such a big question and there's so much research involved that I almost feel like you would have to charge them for a definitive scope discovery phase just to figure out like what the goals are, what the scope is you could charge for that flat rate. And then after that, then you could figure out like what the price of the logo is. But for something that big, you just don't know. Like, and you can kind of guess like a number that at least makes it worthwhile in the end. But, um, well, how have you guys thought? Because I, a couple approaches, one is like, Oh, we just charge an hourly rate. Another is this value created thing where, uh, if we redesign your app and it's going to increase your profits by 10%, then we want to take 2% of that and figure out the number from that. How have you guys thought about that approach? We do value-based pricing okay. on all branding, okay. definitely. And um, and then production work is just hourly. It's just easier because um, a or lot of times... Or retainer, yeah. But a lot of times with the production work, there's no clear end in sight. Like they just need constant like revisions, updates to collateral. And it's just easier to just track it hourly and send it to them. But for, yeah, logos, it varies. We have like this set scope that we've defined for like a package deal. And we have like a general number that most of our clients is good. For, it's good for them, like, like a medium-sized, you know, shop that isn't national or that kind of thing that's the price that person pays and then if it's anybody who's you know a large company we're going to reevaluate it and and fit it to that the value that they're going to get out of it um like mackie was saying like if you were to rebrand red bull you have to consider that 70 percent of their company is the value of their brand their product is really kind of like tertiary yeah, yeah like and anyone can make an energy drink, but because they have this super strong brand behind it, that's where all the value comes from. Mm. So rebranding them could be worth two to $3 million. Um, whereas rebranding somebody else could be completely different. So, and that's the other thing I want to get into is you, you focus on branding and logos and identity, but also you are now doing web designs and apps and all sorts of different verticals of work. How's that been going balancing like the different mediums and the different styles of, of work that, that clients want from you. Totally. Well, I think we kind of started splitting it up just because we realized it's so hard to tackle it all at once, like on one project. Like if I'm doing all of it, it's just too hard, you know? And so usually Jen will try and take over the app and the website projects just because she has a lot more experience doing it. And she gathers the team and we just get really good people around us that can help us accomplish that. And then I usually take over most of the logo and branding projects just because I've just gotten a lot more experience doing that side. So I think at one point we wanted to do it all, but we just had a discussion like, hey, like it's just not profitable for us to be constantly like flopping. Doing everything. Yeah, yeah. it's just not profitable. And it's stressful, you know, like remembering, you know, like the, what you're supposed to be doing at any given time. So we're like, okay, just for, purely since you're better at this, like you should probably be doing more of those jobs. And I know you want to do both. Same here. Like I want to do both, but it takes me twice as long to do the, like the website of things. So it just doesn't make sense. So you feel like that's going to be the split moving forward is just one of you, Jen apps, websites, Amy, branding, logos. Probably gen- generally, work. unless like someone Gen- has a crazy uh, workload. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I, I heard a amazing. pun. I heard a pun. <laughs> Yay! <fives>. Growth. <laughs> uh, I'm learning. Brian's diversifying. <laughs> diversifying my, my wordplay. Tell us a little bit about uh, In Pursuit Of, because it's in progress, but 
happened last year. Just tell us what in right. pursuit of They're in pursuit is. of in pursuit of. We are, it is. Well, it's hard because like we jumped out and we knew it would be hard, you know, but filming it was actually really fun and not as hard. Wait, wait, what is it first? So it is. In Pursuit of is this um, bootstrapped documentary. We want to really uh, magnify the fact that it's bootstrapped <laughs> because we're not professionals. We, I repeat, yeah, bootstrapped. We don't Lots know what we're boots, doing. all boots. Yes, Everything I.e. Boots. amateur. Yeah. And we didn't have any money. So it was just like we had decent cameras just that we had bought for our companies, like, you know, just for usage in that way. So we're like, okay, well, we can film video. It actually looks pretty nice and really... A good story is what makes a documentary. Like it doesn't have to be the most visually amazing thing. If you have a good story, if you think of making a murder, half of what you're watching is like a still shot of the front of Manitowoc County Jail. Yeah, but like you're like so enamored with you don't even realize how shitty it is. You know, (laughs) so so we were just like news footage. Yeah, yeah. So if you can get a good story, we're like, okay, it won't. It'll be better than most probably just because we're visual and we're designers, and um, we know how to decently use these cameras. And so um, we just, we had a lot of people that we had been wanting to meet and talk with and we've been wanting to travel. We'd been itching to like get out of our little Orange County bubble. And so we, we talked to our Canadian friends and they were like, we also want to get the fuck out of here. It's cold. And, <laughs> and so like we all went um, and we, they flew into Vancouver. We flew into Vancouver. We met, we got a car. Um, we all joined our equipment up, figured out how to use it. We only lost one recording along the way that never we never pressed play apparently <laughs> to record. We've done that before. Yeah, and luckily that guy lived. Um, he was good friends with our our partners, so it's like whatever. Um, but yeah, we just kind of took the car and we drove around, and we were super ambitious. We set up like three interviews a day and had to cancel a bunch because we realized it was impossible, <laughs> which you guys probably know. It's it's difficult. Yeah, <laughs> and we were driving to each one, so it'd be like three hours driving, stop, oh, set everything up, chat for two hours, get. B-roll footage and then drive two more hours to the next person and stop chat like set it all up again and it was exhausting but it was so much fun and I've never felt more inspired probably but you're still working on it it's still a work in progress it is because we're still interviewing more people we're we're kind of thinking like we can release it more as like a series you know like start like a like we can release parts as as we kind of start editing it because I think it's, we still didn't feel like we really got the definitive answer. I think we feel like there's a lot left to be said. We keep chasing like, why do people create? Because like animals, it's obvious why they create. Like they make a nest because they need it to survive. But, you know, we actually create sometimes to the detriment of like our well-being. Like starving artist is never a term that Darwin would have, you know, <laughs> condoned. Yeah, that, because it that doesn't... That is not the fittest ever. <laughs> yeah. Like we're actually like injuring our well-being sometimes financially or you know growth wise or Or even like we with our relationships like we neglect our health because we're like so obsessed with the art and why like why humans in specific i wonder why do they create and that's what we were asking what have you found out they don't know it's that's the most interesting thing is most people who do create aren't as reflective i think as some people here who have spoken regularly and are that's probably why they've become speakers is because they are used to reflecting on what they do and why they do yeah. it. Most of the people we were interviewing were purely makers. Pure epicurrents, you mean? Creators. <laughs> yeah, yeah. E- epicurrents. Uh, but most of the people we were interviewing were just straight makers, creators who just love doing it and I don't think had really ever thought why yeah, they did I think it. they're just, they're like, if I want to do that, why not? Like, what's holding me back? Why would I wait for someone else to do it? That was mm-hmm. the general like pattern that I loved hearing. And they just didn't even think like, well, why, why wouldn't I? It's really the, like the answer to that, you know? And it, that all stemmed, we think, from the fact that they were all, the common tie from everybody we interviewed, Except they were for, all into metal or punk music growing up. And most of them were all into Christian metal and punk music. So we think it's this <laughs> weird blend of like feeling this like um, onus to be good to humanity and this 
like drive to find meaning and purpose in creating as well as this like also this thought that they had growing up that like I don't need permission you don't tell me what to do I do what I want to do which is the perfect entrepreneur so they all, I, I don't know if that's the answer to why we create punk and metal music. But it's but very, you just got to fight tooth and nail. You yeah. can do a uh, side project where you graph the correlation between oh, punk rock. That would be so interesting. Creators. Well, Brandon Reich is doing a podcast purely on, I think, music and music design. industry design. Yeah. And I think a lot of his experience is with. Because like, he he grew up in the band Dead Poetic. Do you okay. remember that? I remember okay. Dead Poetic. Yeah. And he's an amazing designer now. And it's so funny because I knew him as a designer. And then I look at his bio. I'm like oh my gosh, like I grew up like crying to your music or whatever it is, you know, like screaming to it. And um, and then he's good friends with the guys at Invisible uh, Creature who also grew up in the band um, Demon Hunter. Oh my God, Demon Hunter. And they're well, still and they in it. They were like the main designers Hilarious. of Teeth and Nail. Yeah, apparently. So then once they were like, they were, they were working, they were, you know, on this, um, they had this deal, this record deal, but then they were also designing their own merch, their own CD covers. And now they're like this huge deal in the design community. And it all stemmed Crazy. from just making CD covers. You know, it's so interesting. That's actually an incredibly common path. It's amazing. It is. Yeah. Oh, it, we're in a band. We need a website. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll figure it out. Well, and it's a really healthy thing, especially people who've been in bands. They've had to put themselves out there and be really like vulnerable. Like, hey, I think I'm awesome at this, but nobody else cares yet. And you know, <laughs> that's what you are when you're trying to up and coming make it in a band. But it's a great um, it transfers exercise. Over it does transfer design. over because you kind of become fearless about like putting yourself out there and putting your art out there and not really caring. I, well, caring what people think, but not letting it like deter you from mm. continuing to make. So what would your reflective answer be to why you create, why you want to be makers? What's your reflective answer? I think it is the meaning thing. Like here at Epicurrence talking to everybody, it keeps coming back to this. There's either these buzzwords of like looking for happiness or looking for meaning. And I think the happiness chase is a little bit more um, fleeting fleeting, and it's a little bit more of something that's really hard to nail down and find it's not a tangible, tangible yeah, yeah. way to track. But finding meaning, I think, is an easy is like something that's more easily understood when you get close to it. Yeah. And that's what everybody's looking for, I think, is um, genuine connections, genuine purpose. And at first you you think and hope you can do that through your work. And then I think eventually once you get really great work, you realize that like it can be meaning can be separated from your work and it doesn't have to right. It doesn't have to intertwine, but it really helps at the beginning. I think to have that like drive and that, that reason that you want to connect people, you want to connect this group. Like the reason we started odds and sods, you know, we wanted to make these pins for our friends. Like it was just like a, our crew, you know, it's like, Oh yeah, these make your own luck. Like we just thought it'd be fun, you know? And then other people start coming into and people you don't even know are buying your shit. And you're just like, this group has grown and it's, it's worldwide. People in France want this shit, you know? And it's just cool, like having something so small connect you to so many people that you've never met, which is also why design is so cool. Like on Twitter, I feel like I know people that I've mm. never met until Epicurance, you know, and I'm like, I've never met you, but I can talk to you for two hours now. And it's not awkward at all, you know, because we have this common tie of design. So it's like whatever, whatever your company is, whatever it is that you create, it's like you're, you're centering it around this thing that's connected you to people and it's connected you to some meaning that you enjoyed. This is sort of a vague question and you kind of touched on about like, what is success for you? Is it retiring early? Is it having passive income that would support a lifestyle of going and filming documentaries? What does success look like for you and for, for Hutzpah as a business? Um, I mean, to me, like 
we've had, I think we are successful now. Like I don't want to stop. I always want to continue to grow, but I love the people I work with and I, I feel fulfilled with those connections. And I feel um, like they feel like they're being benefited and, and we're helping somebody do like a dream. And that's so you've so already cool. found it. You feel like. I don't know. Like in that way, I feel like I have, cause I feel like the relationships in life, like even if you're, if you don't love your job, but you love the people you work with, sometimes that's enough, you know? And so I think it's sometimes you just have to count the small successes, but the overall success for me would be like, yeah, passive income so that I have freedom to like take off work and go do things, you know, and meet new people and like do things like this, like being an Epicureans and not have to worry about money and just be like, yeah, I'm going to go do that. I'm going to take five days off and I have the team that can just keep this machine running, you know, or I have the money to where I just don't need to work. You know, I think that's great. Cause in the end, I think it's all about the people like if you just work your whole life, that can't hug you at the end of the day. Like that can't like call you and be like, Hey, what's up? Like, how are you? You know, surround yourself in all the t-shirts. you. Yeah. <laughs> just oh. T-shirt pillow hug. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just not the same, you know, like, what is that the same for you, Jen? Do you feel the same way? Yeah. Um, it, do you guys disagree on anything? Right. It's so weird when the. When <laughs> I'm looking at you two like you just talk to each other and you're like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Say what Those she are, said. I'll wow. just go with what it's she all, said. It's all good <laughs> in the know? hood. I'm gonna say ditto. Well, actually, last night when we were doing the panel at Epicurance, the little Q and A, and Mark started asking something, and Jen started talking. And I was like, no, I disagree with that. No, that's not right. And I've never felt that way, really. What was it about? I can't remember, but I was just like, uh-uh. Nope, that's not it. <laughs> Let's find it. What's the biggest thing you you disagree on? What is the biggest thing? Work-wise or other? I don't know. What would it be? I feel like we disagree a lot, but it's usually small stuff. But yeah, there has to be a big one. Our general vision's usually the same. And usually we're pretty good about being subjective to like, okay, what's working the best? What's the most efficient use of our time? Because I think as we get a little bit older and, and more um, experienced, we realize that like we can find meaning outside of design. We don't have to do things purely because they're cool or because we enjoy them anymore. We're okay doing something that we care about and we're going to do our best at. But um in the end, it doesn't like it doesn't make or break you. Right? Yeah, and so when we look at things, we are pretty business minded about it. Like, hey, this just makes more monetary sense, and it's going to save us time. We're not going to have to work as hard. And so usually, we'll just take those courses because it just makes sense. And so we're tracking the same usually on those decisions. The stuff we usually fight about is things that don't really matter. For and sometimes we get really hung up on them. I would say like it's usually like who we're going to interview for like in pursuit of. I'm like, no, that doesn't make sense. That does, mine idea is better. We should interview this person because A, B, and C. You know. Like what we find interesting, I think, is usually really uh, actually pretty different. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. You <laughs> <laughs> You're like, not a definitive answer. I don't like it. Oh, that's <laughs> um, You also wrote a, an ebook, The Hood Rats Guide to Starting a Design Business. Yeah. Well, we had a lot of people <laughs> asking us, like a lot of students, like, hey, like, how'd you do it? And we were so tired of writing the same email over and over again, explaining. Right. We're like, we had been asked to speak at our first conference, which was like mind blowing. Like, why do they want to talk to us? So I asked the guy who invited us was Mike Jones of Creative South. I was like, Mike, what should we talk about? Like, I literally don't know what to talk about. And he's like, well, what do you get asked the most? And I was like, well, how we started our company. He's like, okay, talk about that. So we start writing out notes and it turned into a 60 page paper of notes to just do this talk. And so we were like, well, let's publish the notes and somehow figure out how to cond like condense this down into a 50 minute talk. <laughs> And it went horribly. Our first speaking engagement was horrible. And what it's happened? on the internet. You can find it. It's just, it reads like a book. Like a, it's like so boring. There's oh, no, no, and people aren't going to a conference for that. You know, they're going for like, 
personality and to be a little bit entertained, you know, like I think when people usually go to conferences, they don't really mind what people say on stage. They're waiting till everybody gets off the stage to actually have a real conversation. <laughs> right. So how did that change future speaking events? That you, oh man. That we, we, yeah. We, I think you just realized that it's not as scary as you thought it was going to be right. Like you get on stage and like you're nervous, but then you're like, we did that. We survived it. And we just realized like, don't take yourself too seriously. Like yeah. we're not going to really teach anyone anything. Everyone here is, knows these things, can Google these things. If they can Google it, why are we teaching it on a stage? You know? <laughs> so we were like, we should give them more of an experience and like inter- entertain them in a way and like give them insight into who we are personally and just like make an interesting connection in that way. Okay. And then they can look up the design stuff. Yeah. Later. yeah. So that's yeah. why you put out the book and you're also teaching a class of a similar nature, right? Like yeah. How to start a design business. Sort of. Yeah. It's called professional practices. And so we're just trying to help them not be scared to get themselves out there and, and to be like those band people, which is like, here's my work. I'm pretty good at this. I think if you hire me, I can help you do A, B and C and not being scared to promote themselves. What do you feel like is the biggest roadblock for people to start their own design business. Is it? It's just is fear, it the of it? It's fear of failure. It's fear of failure. On the business side. And just, I guess, um, there's so many unknowns. Like, what do I charge? You know, like, um, how do I put together the contract? What should I invoice with? Um, do I have to register for this license, that license, what license? Like, am I an LLC? Am I a corp? I think that's what they're like. I don't even, I don't know. And I don't want to be bothered with it, you know? Um, so that's usually what we, co- that's what we covered in our book. And that's what we covered in the class is all the boring, like, do I do A, B, and C? And then we just empower them and give them formulas to figure out like good hourly rates based on, you know, their living expenses and that kind of thing. And once they figure out all that, like, uh, analytical stuff, then it's more about just empowering them to be like, look, try it, just try it, see if it works, see if you get any traction on your work. And, and if you fail, it's not going to be the end of the world. Cause like, I feel like these students, a lot of the teachers are like, don't interview until your portfolio is perfect till it's done. And that's just never going to happen. Like my portfolio is not perfect now. And I've been doing this for however long. So I think you just can't wait. You just have to get out there and start getting real feedback, like from real people in the world. Cause if you don't, if you're just constantly trying to wait till you're ready, you're never going to be ready ever. Like you just have to fall and be like, okay, not doing that again, but this worked out, (laughs) you know, and just try things like try working at an agency, try doing freelance. And as long as you don't try and like jump off a ledge your first time, you're going to be fine. Like, you know, some people are like, oh, well, if if I don't get like funding and if I don't like have like, you know, 50 clients right at the beginning, then it's not, there's no point of starting. And I'm like, no, you can have a side job. It doesn't even have to be a design job. If you can't get a design job, have a side job to make your regular income and then just start getting whatever jobs you can on the side. See if they start testing the water. Yeah, just yeah. see if even the idea that people will even pay you for this even works. Exactly. I feel yeah. like I feel like it, it's oftentimes comes down to this: should I have a full time job or should I do my own business? And it doesn't at the beginning. It doesn't have to yeah, be one right. or the other, right? You do just put in some nights and weekends to figure out if it can work, and then go from there. And that's how you minimize the risk too. Exactly. That way, you don't ruin your life and like like hate your the decision you made to start out your own business mm-hmm. three years later. Because really, you just did the bare minimum and you tested the product. And then when you saw that the demand was there, then you made the leap. And then, you know, it's not that expensive to start a design business. I mean, as long as you have your computer and you pay for like the business licenses, it's really, you can do it fairly cheap, you know, and it's just your time and effort in promoting it and getting, you know, getting your name out there. How did you get your name out there? How did you guys find your first traction and start getting clients and build up a cycle of work? Well, honestly, we were just like, all we knew at that time was like social media. So we're like, all right, let's just put our stuff on Instagram, you know? Instagram. Yeah. And just tell everyone that, hey, we're here. We had so many friends that were that um, needed, that, that had great ideas and then we're 
going to start businesses. And I'm like, if we just tell them, like, they need a designer, they don't know any, like, we can help them do these things. And then we'll have a portfolio. So we just started like shamelessly promoting ourselves. Like I would do like progress shots. I'm like, I'm drawing this for this project. And then I'm like, you know, um, tag our company and like make hashtags, you know, just really shameless self-promotion, just constantly taking photos, oversharing. And it's hard to do it first because you think like, no one gives a shit. And, um, oh, this is vain. And, and it's vain. Yeah. And right. I think, yeah. How do you get over that? I you feel just have, you can't think that way. You just have to be like, people are actually really interested. Well, think of what you would do for, if someone was paying you to promote their business, would you say that's vain to post about your business? I think you have to think about it more outside of yourself, you know? Um, and you have to think like, if I don't tell people I'm doing this, how are they going to know they need my help, you know? Right. And so, like, as soon as we started promote, like, sharing work, people were like, oh, hey, I'm starting this ice cream company, or hey, like, uh, we need a new logo for whatever. And it was amazing how quickly when you surround yourself with with cool people who have like self-volition, ambition. ambition, like all of our friends were doing such rad things. And somehow they just brought us along for the ride because we were the only designers they knew. <laughs> and it was perfect. But looking at your website and some of the clients you've worked with, the Googles, the Stella Artois, Hot Wheels, how do you get from, from working with friends and posting on Instagram to actually having these very reputable big companies coming to you asking for help. So it, it, I would say like the first year and a half was like friends. It was just friends. Right. We weren't making a lot of money. We didn't know what to charge. We were way underbidding ourselves. But it was fine because we were doing a, a lot of work and getting a good portfolio together. Then it, the referrals are... It's We've never like really advertised or pitched anybody. The referrals have just like kept moving up chains in weird ways. Because your friends, they, they start getting better too. So your right. friends get... They get... Um, promotions or they get new jobs yeah. that are better and then they remember when you helped them with that shitty logo tw 10 years ago but they loved working with you and they know you've gotten better because you've stayed in touch because we always stay in touch with people you never know who's going to end up doing something really cool so you have to play the long game do you feel like in client services you have you yeah. can't start hoping for a google and no, not even not with clients all. honestly I feel like it's always been with just friends and people we meet we've always just like kept in touch with pretty much most of the people that we've met, we've tried to keep in touch with because they were just cool people. And I knew, I'm like, this guy is so rad. He's got awesome ideas or girl, he's going to do something. Like I want to be around just to hang out and hear about it. And then sometimes, like we met Josh Sortino at uh, yep. ValioCon. Yep. And then he was like, oh, I'm trying to start this t-shirt thing. And he brought us in to help. And same with um, uh, Merrick Davis. We met him at ValioCon and I just thought he was so smart. And then he emailed us about doing two logos for his candle company. Like it's amazing how if you just are interested in what people are doing, Usually they're they're going to be I don't know. Sometimes it just comes back around. It just works. And if they're growing and you're growing, like that's how we got this Asics job. My friend who I did a really small project for was like brought me in to do a brand campaign for this race weekend, you know. And then from there, somehow agencies start seeing your work. Like we just got an email from Facebook, and I had no clue that we would ever get on that level of like doing work. And I don't know if that's maybe because we've never worked. I don't know. Some people like love working for Facebook and some people don't. I feel like there's so many different opinions downstairs, but I think it'd be so cool to work with Facebook. <laughs> so they just emailed us this morning. We we're like, hey, we really like what you're doing. We'd like to talk to you about doing X, Y, and Z. I had to sign an NDA, so I can't talk about it. <laughs> but um, like I, that would have never happened unless we had, I think, that those big names that we eventually got through just like really caring about the work and keeping in touch with people who we really were inspired by. It would be cool to work with Facebook. Have you ever thought of working at a big company, like switching to in-house Did you just go to product? recruitment mode like instantly? Recruitment <clears throat> mode. <laughs> Are you looking for new opportunities? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, oh not, not even Facebook, right. just 
Just a big uh, place. Yeah, I think it's always an interesting discussion. Product in-house yeah. versus getting this massive uh, experience doing client work. I honestly would never do it personally. I just don't think it's my personality. Mm-hmm. I like having, I like being able to to see every phase of the project and being hands-on with it all. I like learning all the different things that are going on. But that's funny because me and you were just saying last night, like if we had the opportunity to work in-house at a place, just to like, for the pure opportunity of seeing like how the biggest of the best, like run what they're doing well, and I don't think how they managed we were like yeah we should we would do that well, just I think to see as a subcontractor though i don't think i would ever go in full i don't think i would ever go in full force because i just don't think that's me i liked i don't like like you were saying at facebook there you only know 30 people like that's just not me i just don't and it well, but the, uh, uh, and also i how, i think how many people could you actually work with like if you you know yeah. well that's true but i also i think i just get worried about it's easy to like, I visit my friend Joel Buchelman and Mark Hemian at the Google offices. Mark's not there anymore, but Joel is. And it's easy when you get there to be like, this is awesome. Like never leaving. I would never leave, I think. And I think it would be bad for me. I think it would be so cool that I would get sucked in. And do you know what I mean? Oh, that's so weird. And in, in my head, it's like, you know, it would be fun. But I but think, too, too, but it would be a bubble. Too much of, yeah, yeah. I think I would get stuck in the bubble and just be like, this is life. We are so cool. We know everything. And like everybody else can just go fuck themselves, you know? <laughs> because like, it's easy to like, I think Joel knows everything because he works at Google and he is really smart. Joel Buchelman is who I'm talking about. But he's so smart. But he's smart in the way that he hasn't. He's like, I make an effort to like leave at the end of the day. I don't eat dinner there, even though I could. Like, there's a lot of things that he doesn't take advantage of because he doesn't want to have only one viewpoint of life. You know you what have I mean? To disconnect. Yeah. yeah. But I think it would be hard for me. I just get really excited about things and I go too hard. Jen knows anything I do, I get, I have a tendency to go a little too overboard on. Do you, does that ever like burn you out? Yeah, I did recently. I that's have a why tendency I, to like hug things to death. Yeah. Like that's why I had to start the product thing. Cause I was just like so tired of the wait, client what, projects. What I think you just like, you try so hard on client work and you have to give like, it's a compromise and that's not bad, but I think a lot of times you can take it a little too personally. Like that could have been amazing and it's just mediocre, you know, in the end. Mm. And you're like, and I cared so much and I put so much time. And then you're just kind of like so tired at the end. You're just like, I'm just so over it, you know? Well, I think for, uh, we finally just started saying no to a lot of things. And I think for a while, a big problem we were having too is just we were working way too much on way too many things. So if we got like... So With we'll just amount- start making some products and shipping those around the world. No big deal. Right. You can hire someone else to do that. Anything better now. I don't think we've really solved the time problem. I think it's better. At least we have more personal control and like. True. There's not someone saying like you didn't do that right. It's like, well, this is what we made. If you want to buy it, you're buying that. You know, you can't. It talk. is. Yeah. It's like we'll take it or leave it. You don't have to buy it. You know, like yeah. it's kind of nice. But like when you were doing 25 projects in a month, you know, which we were, what? and like three we were. Yeah. People would come in and look at our job board and we didn't know. And they'd be like, what the? F-? But that <laughs> was what we learned when we were doing the magazine is like when we were working in that magazine, we were running three magazines. It was just me and Amy and another girl and doing all the ads, all the client interaction, and all the layouts, all the layouts, all the and articles. Press checks. We were writing all the articles, taking all the photos. Like we were literally running three magazines. So when we started working around agency, we were like, we need to maximize all the time. Like we always did, right? This is this how is you all run I it. Know is yeah. All the time. <laughs> I know. This so is life. Yeah. Recently we were like, and because we were making like m- good money, but from like way too little segmentations, uh, we thought we were doing okay, but we were like, gosh, we are not using our skill and time effectively. We've just been cutting ourselves, sub- selling ourselves short. So we started just like, because we had so much um, work, we finally started being like, oh, let's just throw out a number because we don't have time for this project. That's some, a, person wants us to do let's just throw out an astronomical number not astronomical but something that we think is worth it and like if we're trying to up our rates let's try it yeah like (laughs) pretty much we were like what would like 
someone we look up to, what would they charge? Like, what would Mackie Saturday charge? And we Which were like, we're let's throw that off. number out. We didn't even throw that number out because I, I don't think <laughs> people don't perceive that value with us yet. But we w- threw that. WMSC. Yeah. That can be a logo. <laughs> yeah. What would that be? I don't be? get that. What would Mackie Saturday oh. charge? Yeah. Oh, yeah. love it. Yes. But so can we, we get that on we, a pin. Dude, <laughs> I'm serious. I think it would go viral. Or like a pin right. that just says, yeah. I'm with Mackie. Yeah. Or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Dude, I love that. Let's just yeah, charge let's, like Mackie. I know we have store. to ask Mackie for permission. I think that'd be a dope poster. Just him as like an illustrated face. And yeah, be like Mackie. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> have you ever seen his face without a smile on it? He no. smiles no. the entire time he's talking. Yeah. Also, I, I haven't it. seen him without a hat in years. Mm-hmm. I want to know what's under there. <laughs> <laughs> but we <laughs> probably something crazy. Some... I need to know. I need to know. I don't know. Another head. Yeah, cornrows like <laughs> Axel Rose. Another smaller head. Yes, <laughs> cornrows that only fit. Yeah. <laughs> Everything else is normal. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. What's uh? What's the biggest mistake you guys have made starting a business? A design business. Um, I think we were way too. Like we didn't take charge. We didn't take, um, we didn't lead clients. We let them the begin us. So what do you mean? We would be like, oh, well, we'll work with you. Whatever you can. Sometimes we'd, we would say this, uh, whatever you can afford. We really want to work with you. Like we'll make it work. And, um, or like if they would come back to us and want a X, Y, and Z, we, we were like really quick to negotiate no matter what, because we're, I think we've always grown up being more like complacent and more like, oh, everybody just be happy and let's all get along. And and I think you just want to help people. You know, you're like, I want to help you out. Like, I know you need help, yeah. you know. But there's a way to do that while still being smart in business yeah. and, and while actually like training the client to be a better long-term client yeah. so that the relationship is more healthy. And so we've learned a lot along the way of just like guiding the conversation, um, being more um, powerful, more of a leader in like what you're telling them, how it's going to go, how it's going to run, pushing back when they're asking for something that's not right, that's not going to work with you. Something that's not in scope. Yes, yeah. something that's not in scope. And it actually builds respect and trust in a way that you need for long-term clients. And especially with pricing, we realized, um, and I was talking to Aubrey Johnson about this earlier, and he's so good at, at closing deals. So he was really insightful. But he was like, you know, you... Uh, you have to learn to talk in a way that inspires confidence. And when you're like, oh, well, whatever you want, or like you tell me, when you say, start saying those things, they think that they have to drive you or else it won't get done. Yeah. You need to tell them that like you're in the con- position of control. You know what you're doing. And you know if someone says yes to what you're saying, like immediately with no questions asked, like you're charging too low. If they like, you know, like blow it off immediately, you're charging way too high. But if you're able to negotiate with them and also assert a leadership role in that negotiation, you've won on your pricing and on creating a good working relationship with them. Because a lot of it is education with our clients base. Like we don't work with a lot of people that are familiar with design, that are familiar with the the value of branding. So we just did at the beginning, we wouldn't educate them on how important this is and how, it, you know, like building this right now creates a long lasting thing that can like really benefit you in the end. So I think just now we were, we're just really good about educating them and explaining upfront, like how it's going to be. How do you do that? Is that over emails or do you have decks that you show to people? Cause client education seems to be another very common topic of you have to tell them why this is valuable and yeah. why a logo, which is a series of shapes and colors is worth <laughs> tens, hundreds, millions of dollars, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands. Right. I think all so. the way up, right? How, yeah. do you, how do you do that? Uh, initially, I think the either face to face or the phone call is really important. That live interaction, um, because like even Aubrey was saying, like you know, every time I first talk to someone on the phone about a, a branding project, I say I first ask them, "What was your revenue last year?" and 
that's probably something that if you ask someone over email, they'd be like, I'm not going to tell you that. But right. if you put them on the spot, they <laughs> marked it. Put, put the pressure on Yeah, well, I mean, in a way, they're like, oh, wow, she's like asking me. Okay, uh, you know, like she obviously has a purpose with this. Like, what is she go- getting at? So Aubrey was like, okay, ask them, what was your revenue last year? Now, what do you want your revenue to be after we rebrand? If they're like, oh, well, our revenue last year was like, you know, let's say like 300 grand. And we, we think that after the rebrand, we'll be able to, we'll make it up to 350. It's like, well, then that's not worth it. Like you could literally spend your 50 grand like way better somewhere else. When you're ready to go from $300,000 to $500,000, then when I tell you my price, you'll understand why it's worth it. You know, but if you're only expecting to make like 50 grand more with your efforts, then when I tell you that the logo is going to cost 10 grand, like it's going to be really hard for you to understand why that's justified. Um, but if the person says, oh, next year we're going to like make, you know, 15% more and like we're going to grow our industry by this many ways. And then you give them the price. You're like, well, you just told me that there was this much value involved in this rebrand. And now you're able to justify the cost that you're giving them. How do you take something that abstract? Like, here's the value we're going to get out of a rebrand in monetary revenue terms. How do you get to that? Yeah. Is it a- good question. <laughs> <laughs> Just it a lot really- of talking back and forth. Me and Amy, like after having the conversation with the client, trying to figure out the the fine line between like what they can afford and what they can justifiably understand the value of and and what, you know, actually it's worth to the brand as a whole that we perceive. Um, and then finding some nice middle road. Yeah. Well, and it's hard because like sometimes it is nerve wracking. I find it really nerve wracking sometimes with bigger companies who do have those big goals. It's like you're hoping to guarantee you're they're wanting you to guarantee this thing. And it's like, yeah, we're helping with that, but also that's on you as well. So it's like, I don't know, I get really nervous about that. But you you just once you start talking it out, you realize, oh, we can totally do this. We know what we're doing. But I think it just can be daunting, like making that guarantee, you know, like it's nerve-wracking. Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. Well, and sometimes when you do talk out the price, you realize, hey, maybe this isn't really smart to even take this job on. It's just not really worth it at this point. Or maybe it's worth it, but we just don't have the time for the amount of money we'll get for it. So at that point, you either price it at a point where it would make it worth your while. And if they say yes, then that's awesome. Or, you know, you just pass on it. You just say, hey, we just can't, you know, sorry, it's not a good fit. And you refer one of your friends. (laughs) What is it like working for the best company ever, Deus Ex Machina? Oh, so interestingly enough, like I know a lot of the guys at the Venice uh, location. Um, I just had friends that were in managerial positions and um, Julian and Nevin and a couple of people. And then there's just a really amazing crew around that whole scene in Southern California, like from Ventura down. Um, there's just a huge moto and vintage classic cars scene. And it's all the way from choppers like Born Free Fest to like more cafe racers, which yep. is like Deus and Iron mm-hmm. and Resin. Yeah, and how do you so, say it? Deus Ex Machina. Yeah. And so, um, yeah. <laughs> I should probably know that. <laughs> like, every time I talk to them, I, I'm just, I guess. You just too, don't say it. I You're just, like, yeah, I just, oh, I'm afraid I'll say it wrong. Yeah. Deus is pretty easy. Deus and is they easy. go by yeah, it, right? Yeah, I just call it Deus. But yeah. They are like, Dan Kassar to do their branding work. And that's yeah. like, oh my God, I love Dan so much. I love, yeah, I love his work. Yeah. And so basically, there was this, this um, poster show going through, and my friend Stacey uh, London, uh, she works at Museum of Contemporary Art in mm-hmm. LA. And she's a writer and she's all about like the women's scene and all that kind of thing. And she's a badass. She races bikes like with dudes and she's so cool. And uh, so she she recommended me to this like traveling show called Oil and Ink and they were just passing through Deus. So that's kind of how I got hooked up was just like through a good friend. And um, but then now I know those guys and I feel like if I could work with them like on a real project, like I know they have Carby working on all their posters and I don't want to step on any toes because he's killing it. 
But I'm like, if they, if I ever got to actually do one like in tandem, that'd be awesome. I've seen that piece before and I just never realized it was you. Like, yeah. and then I saw it on the shop. I was like, oh shit. Really? <laughs> yeah. That, that one's really popular. Yeah. But I think that's part of the thing of like just making what you like, right? I was just making posters around the culture that I, that I enjoy. And we were painting helmets and we were, my friends were asking us to do like paint helmets. We did this really sick one. It was oh, called the Spectre Seven, and it like had seven of like the you know greatest like riders that we what? liked. Um, it has like Evil Knievel on it, and then it had like um, well, it had Steve McQueen just because that, you know he was an avid rider, and it, it, he's like a very iconic face. Lindbergh and yeah, Charles like, Lindbergh was on there, and like we had like Rest in Peace on the back. And oh, yeah, it, yeah, it was, it really was cool. so cool. Yeah. I like super need a painted helmet now. Yeah, yeah. So uh, ship it to me and yes. figure something out. Yeah, I think if you just do the projects that you like, it's crazy how people will come to you and be like, hey, I want to pay you to do that for me. And you're like, I it's would do that foolproof. anyway. I will say that it's not foolproof. It's not foolproof. If you have like a really like niche hobby. But I mean, <laughs> yeah, like, you know, like you can't just do what you but like. But in and California, you paid a lot. But in California, hobby, I feel like it, it did is. work. Yeah. You can do anything in California. People are professional skateboarders in California. Mm-hmm. Our friend's a professional video, video game, game player. player. Yeah, it's like weird. the world is your oyster in California. It's a magic land. I, I believe But that. you do have to be the best of the best in a way. And you, certain... you have to promote yourself, right? Yeah. So like I have friends that are doing it way better and I usually refer them if I don't feel comfortable with the project. Um, like we started doing window painting and lettering and things like that and sign painting. And I have friends that are way better at it. Um, but like I, I'm hashtagging the shit out of my work. So <laughs> and you know what I mean? Hashtag driven design. Yeah. So I don't know. I think it's interesting yes. how it works. I don't know. Yeah. I'm just stoked that people hire us to do it sometimes. I love it. We're running out of time. Before this is we so go, fun. <laughs> is there anything you want to plug? <laughs> I can think of I lots of things get, we'll plug for you. I always you. get the URL wrong and I'm like, crap. <laughs> <'Cause>, uh, <laughs> okay, so it's oddsandsods.co is our, um, we call them Nick, unnecessary, necessary. Is that song. named after the Who song? Mm-hmm. So we're big classic rock fans and um, Odds and Sods is just like a British, it's just a saying, but okay. it, is, uh, it is also in the It's Who also song, a title awesome. of a Who album. And I love when oh. people know that. That's so when, awesome. like our, our I Googled it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but now you. I couldn't it, find so. your website. I only found the Who album. That's hilarious. That's <laughs> I know. So funny. We we're brand, some, brand new, so we we're yeah, working. We need on to it. do some SEO work on well, that. For sure. We'll put a link in the show notes. To nice. Sauce. There we go. Odds See, we need some link backs. That's yeah. And then hoodspadesign. dot com is our company website. And really, if you Google us, you'll find us eventually. How do you spell yeah. hoodspa? H o o d z is in zebra. P is in Paul. H is in hood. A-H. A-H. Oh my gosh, you spelled A-H. it wrong. I can't spell A-H. 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 I gave up. Just Google it. Don't know how to spell it. Or you just Google it. It'll be in the, the show hood, notes. The Hood Sisters. Just say, yeah, Amy and Jen Hood. That's easiest. Yeah. Cool. Thanks so much for taking the time to come chat with us. Thank you for having, having us. Having us. Yeah. That was episode 104. Uh, super excited to get to hang out with these people at Epic Currents. We've got a few more episodes coming for you from Epic Currents. We did uh, one with a couple of guys from Rally, Ben Klein and Anson Shaw. We did a live episode with Mackie Saturday and Meg Robichaux. And we also did one where we had, I think, like 20 or 30 guests. We just we asked a few questions and had everyone come on and answer one of them. Uh, it's pretty awesome. So I'm very excited to share this with you over the next couple of weeks. In the meantime, we would love it if you would go and give us some feedback on iTunes. Just throw us a review or a rating, something to help us push up the charts that really helps us share this with more people. We build this for you folks. So if you have feedback, a reviewer rating there, or just hit us up on Twitter at design details FM. If you want to be a part of like the community that we're working on building here, spec.fm slash Slack is our Slack team. And then you can join the other 3,500 people or so that are in there every single day. 
being helpful to each other and supportive. And that's really, really awesome to see. Couldn't be more excited about the fact that it's self-sustaining now. Like Brian and I are in there occasionally, but obviously we just don't have time to be in there all the time. And the fact that it keeps going and the fact that people are basically taking ownership of it and taking responsibility for the community is really awesome to see. So thank you to everyone who's been a part of that so far. If you want to be a part of it again, that's spec.fm slash slack. And we'll see you on Wednesday with Ben Klein and Anson Shaw from Rally Interactive.